On this episode of the ASC Podcast with John Gailey, we discuss the latest news, primary source CRNA verification, nurse call systems, and discuss employee record keeping and professional employer organizations, or PEOs, and interview Mike Ross, Director, Innovation and Development at Insperity, about nine proven strategies to have your business run better, grow faster, and make more money. Welcome to the ASC Podcast with John Gailey, the longest-running podcast specifically focused on the freestanding ambulatory surgery industry. We would like to thank our sponsors, Surgical Information Systems, providing cutting-edge information solutions for surgery providers, Trivalence. Trivalence offers a comprehensive next-generation ASC solution that optimizes payment and supply chain performance, enabling actionable data insights, and Ambulatory Healthcare Strategies the nation's leading regulatory and accreditation compliance resource for ambulatory surgery centers. For more information about our sponsors, please visit our website at ASCPodcast.com. Welcome to episode 164 of the ASC Podcast with John Gailey for August 22nd, 2022, recording from our studio in Spencerport, New York. This is Sue Cronkite, Chief Researcher for the ASC Podcast with John Gailey and Senior Nurse Consultant for Ambulatory Healthcare Strategies. The ASC regulatory environment is extremely dynamic and the material provided in this episode is based on information available as of the date of the recording. Joining me is John Gailey, the owner of Ambulatory Healthcare Strategies. He is recognized as one of the nation's leading experts in the ambulatory industry. Mr. Gailey is the author of over 10 books on the ASC industry and a frequent industry speaker on regulatory, accreditation, and finance issues. So and he's kind of sad right now because yeah. <laughs> the last of our puppies are going home um, at the end of this week. I know. We're There's, down to two from the eight. We uh, we uh, we have puppy time. Like uh, just mm-hmm. before I, we came down to record yeah. here, I, I uh, went in to uh, spend some time with the puppies. And, of course, uh, things have to be done according to their schedule. And they kind of were uh, – they're saying we want to sleep right now. So. Yeah. Uh, so I, I also did want to point out that this is our third take. And that you actually yeah. mispronounced my name on the last take. I so. almost said goalie. <laughs> so <laughs> we're a little out of practice. We're a little <laughs> frazzled right yeah, now. A lot of stuff going on. So it's pretty <sighs> pretty busy. But uh, yeah, our last of our puppies are going home. And I know we talk an awful lot about the puppies here, but and that is one of the reasons we're falling behind in some of these episodes yeah. again. Uh, but we do hope to have another litter in December. So figure yeah. December will be a little bit behind also. <laughs> Yeah, uh, we have some great news though. Um, we uh, welcome yeah. Donna Macchio, who is our newest employee at Ambulatory Healthcare Strategies. She's formerly the administrator at Ambulatory Surgery Center of Westchester, and she's been a dear friend of mine for many years. We don't want to admit how long we've been friends because that would put uh, age out there. But and she's actually been uh, interviewed on the podcast mm-hmm. during some of our uh, state conferences, and we expect that we'll have her here again soon. She's got some yeah. great advice, and uh, she'll probably be participating a little bit in some of our boot camps coming up. So uh, yep, she's a captive audience now, is. and she joined us for our 
our Monday meeting for the first time right. this week. She did not run away, as far as I know. Well, I, so I, I, think I cut her off. I <laughs> didn't allow her to uh, send any emails to us. Yes. Like, <laughs> yet, but, uh, so I think, and she's going to be such a great addition. Yeah. She, the experience that she's got, it's just perfect. And she's a great, I think she'll be a great mentor for a lot of her yeah, clients. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, We're very excited. And speaking yeah. of mentoring, um, we have our next boot camp coming up. The SC Administrator's Boot Camp is... Uh, begins uh, next Tuesday, August 30th, and goes from uh, August 30th through September 2nd, 2022. As with all of our conference, it's going to be presented virtually. Uh, and uh, we still have some slots open. Um, it is pretty close to capacity right now, but we still have a couple slots open. And we, we might even open up more if we have mm-hmm. to, um, because I, I think we're, we've been able to prove that we can, we can handle a pretty good mm-hmm. crowd there. But yeah. it is still very personal and, uh, you know we're uh, we're very excited about. I, th- I think this is going to be our fifth administrators boot camp, Sue, mm-hmm. and we have over 130 graduates of all of our programs. So yeah. uh, we're excited. Uh, we are going to be announcing very shortly uh, the director of nursing boot camp, which will be in October. And we do have some other news too. Is that uh, Christina Benton and I have uh, come to an agreement on uh, putting together a business office manager boot camp. Now, that will not be for another year. That's probably going to be sometime during the either the summer or the fall of 2023. Mm-hmm. But uh, that's a, it's a great opportunity. So that really gives us the full gamut of boot camps. We'll have, uh, obviously, the administrator, the director of nursing, and now you know, sometime uh, later, 2023, we're going to have a business office manager boot camp. So very excited about those developments. And also, we're, uh, September is going to be a busy month. September, we have, uh, in conjunction with uh, Christina Benton and Coding Compliance Management, uh, the September 2022 ASC Finance, Accounting, and Reimbursement Seminar. Mm-hmm. And that's going to be on September 15th and 16th. And that's uh, also going to be presented virtually. And that's a great opportunity to learn everything you need to learn about finance, accounting, and reimbursement and coding, uh, especially uh, great for nurses who want to learn more about something they you didn't get to, right, when you went to no. a nursing school at all. Uh, and uh, you might not actually want to learn more about it, but, of course, it is one of those <laughs> things helpful. that, uh, that uh, as administrators and even directors of nursing, you really have to understand. And, of course, if you want to pass the CASC exam, you're going to have to have some uh, background in it, too, and that's one of the goals we have. Uh, it will uh, be getting uh, AEU credits and coding uh, credits. Uh, we're still working on that right now, and uh, we should have that announced by the time the conference comes mm-hmm. off. You know, Sue, we often talk about what makes our virtual conferences so different. Mm-hmm. And it came to me uh, last week. I was recording for another organization a uh, a webinar. It's a mm-hmm. reco- pre-recorded webinar for this conference. And um, you know, I, I mean, I still enjoy doing it. But the problem with it is there's no audience there. There's no feedback, mm-hmm. and all I feel here is myself talking, uh, which I, is what makes us so different. I think with yeah. our virtual conferences. Um, yeah, we people always, can ask. You can really make it as personalized as you want to. You can right. type in questions. You can raise your hand and ask questions. Um, during the lunch breaks, we always allow you to, you know, come in and either show yourself on Zoom or just speak to everybody. And that part's not recorded right. um, or not kept in the recording. So, you know, you've really got a great opportunity to to customize it the way you want. And sometimes people will bring things up and we realize, oh, we didn't cover that. That's right. And other people might be interested. And then that brings up a whole, you know, a whole other subject. So it's really, it's great. And John, just you really enjoy getting that feedback because then do. you know how to customize to what, yeah. what people need to know or if there's any new... You know, issues have come up in the last few days near the conference. You know, we can always address that. Well, I I think the other thing that I really enjoy is that it's not a one, 
I mean, truly, it's not a one-way conversation, mm-hmm. but it's also, you know, we, we it, during the pandemic, when we started doing these virtual conferences, we found it was going to be very important that if we're going to do this, we have to do it differently. And one of the things that we do differently is that while we'll always have a main speaker, you're also going to have other speakers. So, for example, when I'm speaking, I do a lot of the speaking um, you know, during, uh, the administrators bootcamp, um, you know, Lori's on, you know, sometimes Ann Geyer's on, of course you are on moderating things and it's always great to have, you know, a little bit of an interruption of those voices every once in a while. You, you mm-hmm. can't get into a monotone, uh, attitude there. And, and you really, uh, have an opportunity to, uh, to, to play off of each other. Somebody, mm-hmm. I might forget to say something, you know, yeah. about, uh, a particular topic as I'm going through it or Lori, uh, you know, when she's going through hers, I want to add something to to her uh, content. Yeah, well, everybody has different strengths, so you That's can right. get all different sides of of a, a subject. And it, and it's not scripted. You know, we have the slides, uh, but nothing is scripted there. It's very interactive, mm-hmm. and I would say I think it's very entertaining. Um, <laughs> I, I think if you I'm, do say so yourself. If I do say so myself, amusing. that's right. Yes. Um, and we do, as, as Sue said, we encourage the questions live. And we don't pretend to be polished with these conferences. It's much like attending a live conference. Mm-hmm. Sometimes things go wrong. Sometimes dogs make sudden appearances. Sometimes puppies <laughs> might be there. I don't think we'll have a puppy. Well, we, we might be able to borrow a puppy for a short period of time. <laughs> uh, and we always get a lot of positive feedback. So mm-hmm. if you're interested in any more information about our upcoming boot camps or the uh, financial Finance and Accounting Seminar, uh, go to ASCpodcast.com. And a whole other benefit is our Saturday session so that when you get finished with this conference, um, you know, if other questions come up or even whatever, a couple months later, yeah. you can always join us on our sessions. We pretty much do them on Saturday mornings right now. Right. Um, but John is always on some, you know, Lori's almost always on and is very often on. So you've got you know, at least three surveyors. Sometimes Jim with Life Safety will this join last us. Week, we, we had four yeah. surveyors on. Uh, yeah. Quite a bit. And think Ask about any that. questions. And there tends to be uh, maybe three, four people at, at different times. So yeah. you really can ask a question without feeling like you're announcing your, pro- you know, <laughs> issues with your center to the world. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, and, and they get feedback too. So it's kind of like a, a Peer to peer, as well as right. having you know experts in the field, so I that's really great. I really enjoy those, and and there are uh, you don't have to uh, uh, only attend the boot camps mm-hmm. to to attend those. The uh, that also that is an advantage of being uh, one of our podcast members, you know, through mm-hmm. the ASC Central. Yeah. So again, all that information is available at ASCpodcast.com. So we do have some recent news, Sue. Why don't you go through some of the stuff that's uh, going on in the mm-hmm. industry? Yep. So. Um, I saw in Politico on 817 uh, that the CDC is planning a major overhaul that's intended to rebuild its reputation following the COVID pandemic. As most people are aware, there was a lot of bad feedback about how that was handled. Um, And they've been criticized for their handling also of the emerging monkeypox outbreak. So in a recent... um, review of the CDC, it was noted, and I'm going to quote this, traditional scientific and communication processes were just not adequate to effectively respond to a crisis the size and scope of the COVID-19 pandemic. This was according to um, an agency statement. And some recommendations are to work more effectively with other agencies, you know, community agencies, public health agencies, um, release information more quickly and in an easy to understand language to improve transparency and public trust. Because I really think a lot of people, especially if you don't, 
know a lot about science, it's really hard to understand why things kept changing or recommendations kept changing. Yeah. And sometimes were they just trying to get you to do what they wanted? It wasn't based in science. So the more they can be really, really clear and listen, this is what we know now might change. I think it'll really help to build some trust. Well, so, you, you make a very good point there, too, is that um, it was important. The general public probably doesn't understand that things are going to evolve. Yeah. The advice that Science we give is. in January might be different mm -hmm. than the advice we have in March. Yeah. But you need to explain that the reason for that yeah. is new information and where that new information yeah. came from. And I, I don't think they did a good job of doing No, it almost seemed like, that. you know, people aren't following our recommendations, so we're going to change maybe them. change it. But yeah. was it based in fact or wasn't it? That kind right. of thing. So they plan to make changes to their website as well to make it easier to navigate and um, easier to access uh, simplified public health recommendations and to change the focus of staff from publishing research in scientific journals to actually concentrating more on research that is aimed at public health policy and at actual action items. So more focusing on that yeah. public health part of it instead of just that higher level science that really, you know, shouldn't be their main focus necessarily. So Yeah, I, I mean, I, I hope that we can get some trust back. You know, I mean, mm -hmm. I think the World Health Organization also lost some credibility yeah. during this whole process. And, you know, both the CDC and, and, and uh, WHO, you know, they, they mm -hmm. had a lot of great advantages to having yeah. those resources available. And it's too bad that this pandemic left uh, a bad taste in the yeah. mouth. And many people out there don't understand what's going on or don't understand the process. And part of it could be what we tell our centers about, you know, with patient satisfaction is managing expectations. So, yeah. you know, don't put out the science as this is the absolute thing. This is what we know. Explain that this is what we know right now. Right. This is our best guess of how to deal with it. And, okay, now we know something different. And just be more open and transparent. And well, hopefully it will help. Yeah. And, and a, a big example of that is that they said right from the very beginning, you know, at the very beginning of the, the vaccine, that if you get the vaccine, you're not going to get coronavirus right, yeah. or COVID. And, of course, that turned out to not be true. And, of course, mm -hmm. that was widely spread and resulted in a lot of the confusion that we had later on and the mistrust. Yeah, yeah and because system. I think some, so much of the research maybe could have been done by um, drug companies, which yeah, I think, absolutely. you know, so being honest about where you're getting the information and yeah. all of that. So. Um, and, and more. I was going to say, more and still COVID. talking about it. <laughs> we'll be, um, you know, when you and I are retiring in about ten years, we'll still be talking about this. Uh, hopefully, hopefully, not. hopefully the monkeypox will be gone by then. <laughs> um, so the August 18th OR manager referred to a study done by Cedar Sinai Medical Center, in which they looked at 210 employees and patients who had serological evidence of a recent Omicron infection, and they found that six. And they found that 56% of them were unaware that they even had COVID. 10% um, of the 56%, it was like 12 out of the 210, I think it was, um, had some mild symptoms but attributed it to a cold or some other issue. But that means, you know, the, the majority of that 56% didn't have any type of symptoms. Yeah. So um, they're just noting that also that healthcare workers were more likely to be aware of their infection status just because they're probably more on high alert and they know what to expect um, if they have a, if they do have any symptoms. Um, but the awareness overall was still very low. And so this is likely contributing to the continued rapid spread of the virus because I think a lot more people have it than realize. 
So uh, you, you were talking about the uh, weekly drop-in sessions on Saturdays, mm-hmm. and a couple things came up this last one that uh, we'll, we'll just talk about briefly for our uh, our section on recent experiences. So, you know, during epi- every episode, we try to talk about some of the recent experiences that we've had or some of our clients have had, et cetera. And one thing that came up again, and I have spoken about this several times, like during um, the boot camps or during the credentialing seminar, that um, there are some surveyors that do not really understand primary source verification for CRNAs. And I'm sorry if some of you are that are listening to us are surveyors, but uh, this has just popped up a couple times. I thought it had been fixed, but it apparently it doesn't. So recently, uh, one of the centers that we were in communication with was cited because they had verified uh, primary source verified education and training of CRNAs uh, at the nbcrna.com website. And the, the, uh, the surveyor cited them for not doing primary source verification. So what, what actually happens is when you click, when, when you go to the nbcrna.com website, uh, there is a, uh, um, a, a button, I don't know what to call it, just a link up at the very top uh, that says verify credential. And if you click on that, you go to a, a credential search tool. And it actually says right on that page that you go into that this serves as primary source verification from the NBCRNA for certification and recertification information. Um, and it, it continues to state that for public and patient safety, the NBCRNA provides a platform to verify certification for any nurse anesthetist. So, as I said, some surveyors have cited ASCs for using this tool, saying that the, that the report that comes off when you af- enter the person's name and, and press uh, enter actually does not indicate that it was primary source verification. Mm-hmm. Therefore, this is what I suggest. Print the page that I just referenced to. Um, that is actually the search tool, which states that this is primary source verification and attach it to the verification page that you get after you enter the person's name. So again, print the page from the website that says that they're mm-hmm. doing primary source verification as, and then attach it to the back of the actual verification page that you get out of it. And that way you can prove this. Mm-hmm. I, since I started telling people about this, I have never had any of our clients cited for this. And this is what I've also recommended uh, when I'm surveying places, that this mm-hmm. is a good way to do it. Yeah. Uh, but it's been kind of disappointing to me that sometimes surveyors don't know this. Uh, and I know that while almost all surveyors really do understand this by now, if you are a surveyor and you're listening and you're not familiar with the verification process for CRNAs, you might want to visit the nbcrna.com website for more information about mm-hmm. that. And then, Sue, also on Saturday, there was a a big discussion about nurse call systems. Um, I think what, uh, I'm trying to remember exactly what started it, but I think one of our listeners said that their system was not Mm. working. They couldn't hear. Oh, they couldn't hear it. Outside of, if they called from the OR, the PACU and pre-op could not hear the emergency call. The button going off. Yeah. yeah, Which seems it's kind of useless. The only place that you can hear a call is in the room where that call was done. It doesn't work. Um, So it did start us uh, in a whole conversation about whether these are required, what they're required. Uh, And I just want to give some references. Uh, If you go to NFPA 99 chapter 7.3.3, that is where it addresses call systems. And I can't go into all the detail here. But NFPA 99 Chapter 7 does require operating rooms to be able to call outside the ORs. And FPA actually states that a, um, a staff emergency assistance call system needs to be available to summon additional assistance 
for each operating delivery, recovery, emergency, examination, treatment, and intermediate care area, critical care units, nursery, special procedure rooms, cardiac cath uh, rooms, stress test areas. I'm reading directly from this. Triage, outpatient surgery, admission and discharge areas, and areas for psychiatric patients, including seclusion and security rooms. Basically, uh, there needs to be uh, you know ability anywhere a patient's going to be to be able to uh, mm-hmm. to summon somebody. Uh, it does go on to say that the uh, for emergency resuscitation alarm, the call system shall include provisions for an emer- emergency code resuscitation alarm to summon assistance from outside the unit for critical care pre-op recovering emergency units. In other words, the operating rooms and the emergency care, care areas. Uh, 7.3.3... <laughs> Point one point nine says in areas where patients are under constant visual surveillance, such as like we know the pre-op or the recovery areas, the nurse call system shall be permitted to be limited to staff emergency assistance call and the emergency resuscitation alarm. Two-way communication from the patient bed location isn't required in that situation. And an interesting question came up is that can you build a system, Sue? Uh, remember they said, uh, one of our persons said, can we uh, build a system that it notifies people using wireless devices mm-hmm. like a walkie-talkie? I'd call uh-huh. it a walkie-talkie. I don't know what you call it. Um, and, radio. Uh, 7.3.3.1.1.2 1, does say supplemental features shall be permitted to include call initiation to alphanumeric pagers and other wireless devices carried by healthcare facility personnel. And you just said it. I, I talked over you, though. I think you said Two-way it. Two-way radio. Two-way radio. <laughs> yeah. There you go. It does worry me. You have to make sure that your staff is going to carry them. They're not going to be sitting on a yeah. desk somewhere. But they're very effective. We mm-hmm. actually have mm-hmm. them in the house here for, you know, emergencies. We Do you know that we have them in the house here? <laughs> See, these things are not useful if, you don't if everybody doesn't know so where we, they are. Or We're going to do a drill this in the house. <laughs> Rosie will uh, to run the drill for us here. Yeah. Okay, let's take a short break. And when we come back, we're going to talk about employee file documentation, uh, professional employer organizations, PEOs. And Ross going to have an inter- interview with uh, Mike Ross, Director of Innovation and Development at Insperity. The AAC Podcast with John Gailey and our virtual conferences would not be possible without the support of our sponsors and patrons. Our goal with this podcast is to help busy ASC executives and staff to keep up with the latest news, learn how to remain compliant with regulations and accreditation standards, and to provide opportunities for ASC leaders to advance in their careers. All of this, of course, costs money, and without our sponsor partners and our patrons, we would not be able to provide this service. Surgical Information Systems was an early sponsor that leads the industry with their software solutions. SIS's mission is to deliver solutions and services that help surgery providers, regardless of care setting, improve their organization so they can deliver the highest level of care to their patients. For more information, visit their website at sisfirst.com. Our newest sponsor is Trivalence. The Trivalence solution is focused on removing waste from the healthcare payments ecosystem by creating the next generation data-driven supply chain automation and payment optimization portal and infrastructure, saving countless hours, administrative costs, and allowing for scale. For more information, visit trivalence.com. That's T-R-I-V-A-L-E-N-C-E.com. Our oldest sponsor, Ambulatory Healthcare Strategies, is the nation's leader in outsourced regulatory and accreditation oversight. 
Busy administrators, nurse managers, and medical directors simply don't have the time to keep up with the constantly changing regulatory environment and the requirements of the conditions for coverage and accreditation organizations. AHS helps you to remain compliant for a reasonable fixed monthly fee so you and your staff can focus on taking care of your patients. For more information, visit ah-strategies.com. And last, but certainly not least, our patrons. For a reasonable monthly cost, our patrons support the podcast while receiving access to a database of important information, such as policies, forums, grills, and education programs, as well as the ability to meet weekly via Zoom with each other and the staff of the ASC Podcast. Visit ASCPodcast.com for more information. So, Sue, I thought it would be a good time to talk about employee files again and just mm-hmm. employee uh, maintenance. It's one of those things that we talk about during our boot camps and it always generates a lot of questions. I think it's fair to say that uh, not many of us get a lot of training in employee mm-hmm. management or benefits management or uh, human resource management, and there's a lot to learn uh, about it. We're certainly not the world's biggest experts on it, but at least we know what needs to be into a file that really behooves you to hire a good lawyer you know, have access to a human resources department. We, we uh, in our company, even have a human resources department, which is composed of one person, but at least we have one person that's dedicated to it. Unfortunately, uh, that person does turn to, tend to turn over quite a bit. That's just the nature of the business right now with, uh, with everything. So I thought we would focus on three things today. One would be just talk about what needs to be in an employee file, because those are the things that surveyors look for when mm. uh, you have a survey. Second is talk about PEOs, uh, professional employer organizations, or which uh, provide an opportunity for a, a different way of managing your staff. So we'll talk about that in a minute. And then we're going to finish with a neat interview that we did uh, with uh, uh, one of the PEOs. Uh, and uh, he's actually going to talk about how you can find uh, strategies working with your employees to help your business run better, faster, and make more money. Let's start with the documentation. So when a surveyor comes in, they're going to want to look at your employee file, and it's going to have to have a number of items, and we'll just go through them. Sue, why don't you start? Sure. So you'll need employment-related items um, as required by your organization's personnel policies, which is a job application, a resume, um, job description, verification of references, results of a background check, and employee benefit forms. So let's uh, talk about that for a second. Mm -hmm. So a job application isn't always necessary, but you do want to have an employee uh, sign off on, on the fact that they provided accurate information, that they you know don't have a criminal background, for example. Same thing with a resume. You don't necessarily need one, but you know how are you going to be able to prove that this individual has the um, the, the requisite um, uh, training and education to be able to carry out their job? So that job application and those verification of that information has to be signed. Also, you should have, you must have in your file a job description, which is current and up to date for all of the jobs that person might have. So let's say you have a nurse Mm -hmm. manager, for example, who also works on the floor. They might have to have a job description for being the nurse manager, maybe one for being the infection control coordinator, Mm -hmm. and another one for being, you know, a preoperative nurse, for example, whatever that is. We had a citation um, with one of our centers because the receptionist was doing the COVID screening, just taking temperatures. And they asked, where's the job description for 
temperature taker, basically. Right. Or, or it didn't to, even have that included in the... Yeah, uh, the, yeah, because the, it's just something that yeah. came up suddenly, and that's what, and they decided that's who was going to do it. But, you know, so you always have to be on top of changing that if their um, duties change. Right. Uh, verification of references. You should, if you get references from your employees, you should be doing the verification of those references. You might be surprised at what you find out sometimes when you actually do check references. Uh, background checks are not always required, but if your policy says they are required, you have to do it. Or mm-hmm. if your state requires you to do it, or if your accreditation organization requires you to do it, you have to do it. And then you need to have in your file all of those employee benefit forms also. And then if the individual is licensed or certified, you know, licensing would be, for example, if you're a registered nurse uh, or certification, if you're uh, still processing uh, tech, for example, and they have certification, you're going to want to have verification of that, uh, usually from the website for that organization or from your state's website for professional uh, licenses. Uh, You can't just have a copy of their license or their certification. You're going to want to have proof that you've actually verified with the organization that this individual does have a valid license or certification. And you also need to have a process for monitoring any items that expire, such as those licenses or their certifications. And, of course, if they have ACLS or BLS or any of those other uh, types of uh, certifications, you want to make sure that you're on top of that. While we're on that subject, Sue, the uh, issue has come up. I, we might have mentioned this before. When you have ACLS or BLS, you need to make sure that those that individual who went through that training has gone through a hands-on mm-hmm. version of it. You can't just do an online version. That's uh, something surveyors mm-hmm. are catching on to uh, very quickly now. Well, it came up during the pandemic because for a very short time, you right. just couldn't get something hands-on, and people just kind of went with that and... and Thought they could do that, but it's really not valid. It has to be. Right. It, they, so I think they allowed it for a short of period of time in 2020, mm-hmm. but that's no longer valid. Yeah. And you'll need uh, periodic performance appraisals and current competencies. Yeah, competencies, Sue, has become a big issue lately. Mm-hmm. Is uh, Well, first of all, it's a really good thing to do anyway, just to make yeah. sure that your employees have uh, the requisite training and uh, experience in doing mm-hmm. uh, various things in your organization. So definitely have those done at least on an annual basis. And whatever your policy is for performance appraisals, not necessarily, unless your accreditation organization requires annual performance evaluations. Mm-hmm. Uh, you don't have to do it annually, but you need to follow whatever your policy yeah. is. And it has to be specific to what their job duties are. We had seen one center that it seemed to be more based on personality or how they got along with people, and yeah. that could be that could be a part of it. But you have to make sure you're actually checking their their clinical responsibilities if if they're in a clinical role. That's right. And the competencies. Just remember, it's the same thing with any type of care that you're giving or anything. You you have to document it. A lot of times, people are getting those in services and the competencies and that kind of thing, but then maybe they're not being documented or kept in their file. And it's important that they're easy to find and they're right there for the surveyors to see. So, Sue, while we're on this subject, something's come up recently. A number of centers have been talking about using or are using temp agencies Mm -hmm. to staff things like their nursing function. Uh, I mean, we all know what a serious situation we have right now with regard to being able to find staff. Um, and it's important to note that even if you hire a temp from a temp agency, you, the ASC, still has to verify their credentials. Mm-hmm. You have full inf- information with regard to their health. They still have to go through a training program, a comprehensive training program about all of your policies and procedures, mm-hmm. emergency processes, et cetera. Uh, and you need to do competencies on those individuals. Yeah. Uh, I've heard people say, well, I don't have to do any of that because the temp agency did that. Well, it's not going to fly, and you can get into serious trouble. 
And can the temp agency do things like bloodborne pathogens? Can they give you proof that they've done those more general um, educational things? Yeah, yeah, that, and that's actually a very good uh, point, is that those things that uh, are not specific to your organization, mm-hmm. as long as you have proof yeah. that the, uh, the the person had been trained in it, you can bypass that. But when it comes to all of the things that are specific to your organization, your policies and procedures, your infection control program, your emergency plan, mm-hmm. I mean, there's so many things. You know, it's not something that can be done in 15 minutes. They're going to have mm-hmm. to go through a, quite a bit of training, and that's what really makes uh, the use of temp agencies very difficult. Mm-hmm. Uh, so keep an eye out for that if you have been uh, using temp, uh, temps in your organization. Uh, you also have to have evidence that the employee handbook or the personnel policies were provided to the employee and usually uh, when they were hired. And usually you want to have them sign off on a document that indicates that they have done that. And, of course, the, the Dear I-9 uh, immigration form, uh, have that completed. Uh, often, Sue, I see a copy of the I-9 in a file but it's not completed or not completed properly. Or a big thing I've been finding lately is that the I-9 that they're using was expired at the time that they filled it out. So uh, be very careful about that. That's uh, another thing they can get cited for. And you'll need proof of initial orientation and training. It usually should be within 30 days of hire. Um, we often recommend as really as soon as possible, possible because right. something could happen within two days that they're there. Yeah. Um, and that would include fire safety and the disaster preparedness plan. The Infection Prevention and Control Program, Bloodborne Pathogen and Other OSHA Training, um, Risk Management Program, including training in the reporting of adverse incidents. Um, then the documentation of annual training is present after the hire date. And the use of emergency safety and fire extinguishing equipment. And often it really hands-on. You have to show them where, yeah. your, where your fire extinguisher is and make sure. You know, a lot of people just don't. They're not comfortable with using it, so you've got to go through all that. Right. Um, the safety program, including exposure control training and sharps injury prevention and confidentiality and privacy training, um, HIPAA in other words. Uh, and then, of course, you have to have documentation of in-service training as needed. If there's new equipment that you're using, if you're starting a new service, if you've identified some weaknesses such as in your sharp safety program or in your hand hygiene, you're going to want to show proof of in-service training on that. And that type of information should be in the file of the employee. And then health information has to also be kept. And this often varies by state. Different states have different requirements for exactly exactly what type of health uh, documentation must be kept. Uh, and it should be kept in a separate file, not within the main employee mm-hmm. file. That would include a number of things such as... Employee acceptance or declination of immunizations uh, based on state and or organization policy um, when they're applicable and work injuries and illnesses, if any, are documented. So uh, managing employees is a difficult task for any small business that uh, can't afford a human resource department. And let's face it, most of our ambulatory surgery centers, especially those smaller ones, really do not have a a dedicated human resource person, which means that uh, the people that are listening to this podcast are probably the human resource department. Uh, And it's becoming more and more challenging. I think during the pandemic, it became really apparent uh, when, you know, we, uh, we we had to put employees on, you know, lay them off for a period of time or let them 
go for a period of time and then not everybody came back and then you're hiring and firing and all of those things that go with uh, managing your staff is uh, always a, a, a pretty challenging job. And that has resulted in uh, the growth of a, an organization called a Professional Employer Organization or a PEO. And that provides a possible alternative to make your jobs easier. Now, I'm, I'm not here to advocate and say that uh, this is a good or bad thing mm-hmm. to do. Um, I've found that a number of our clients are using it. So I just thought it might be wise for us to uh, just speak about it a little bit. And then I just happened to interview um, a uh, individual that works for a PEO and we'll have that interview in a few minutes. But mm-hmm. uh, so that's what kind of prompted this whole conversation. Uh, so uh, Wikipedia, the uh, uh, great resource nowadays for uh, information like this, defines a PEO as follows. And this is quoting right from Wikipedia. A professional employer organization, or a PEO, is an outsourcing firm that provides services to small and medium-sized businesses. Typically, the PEO offering may include human resource consulting, safety and risk mitigation services, payroll processing, employer payroll tax filing, workers' compensation insurance, health benefits, employer Employers practice and liability insurance like EPLI, retirement programs such as a 401k plan, regulatory compliance assistance in the human resource area, workforce management technology and training and development. And so what happens is the PEO enters into a contractual co-employment agreement. In other words, the employees are are employees of the PEO and of your surgery center. So they have a co-employment agreement with its clientele. And through co-employment, the PEO becomes the employer of record for tax purposes through filing payroll taxes under its own tax identification numbers. As the legal employer, the PEO is responsible for both holding proper taxes, paying unemployment insurance taxes, and providing workers' compensation coverage. So it is a way of definitely making things a lot easier in your organization and something you might want to look into more. So during the June New Jersey ASC Association annual meeting, I did have an opportunity to sit down with Mike Ross, who is the Director of Innovation and Development at Inspirity, uh, which is a PEO, about nine proven strategies to have your business run better, grow faster, and make more money. As you can imagine, since uh, Mike works for a PEO, he focused a lot on human element of growing and improving your business. In other words, what you can do in order to keep your employees happy, mm-hmm how your employees can help you accomplish the goals that you have set forth for your organization. So so let's listen to that interview. So this is John Gailey here at the New Jersey Association meeting in June of 2020, and I'm here with Mike Ross with Insperity. Uh, Mike just finished a presentation on uh, human resources. I'm going to let him uh, talk a little bit about his presentation and just some observation about what's going on in human resources. And Insperity is a PEO. You're going to remind me, what does PEO stand for? Professional Employer. There, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I forgot about it. So, uh, you know, this is a tough time right now mm-hmm. uh, with human resources, and it's been very, you know, staffing has been difficult, managing the human resources department. Of course, all of the legal issues that have surrounded COVID, and even before COVID. I mean, it, sure. it, COVID wasn't, isn't the only driving factor or driving uh, problem that we have in the human resources side. So tell me a little bit about your presentation and, you know, what your focus was. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I, even before jumping in, I'll, I'll just build off of that last comment that you made. We have seen, uh, you know, in the HR industry, it's it's what we, well, you know, we study it, we eat and drink it, yeah. right? It's it's, and and what we have seen is that these last couple of years have really helped. I, I guess in one way, it's helped us 
educate those mm-hmm. um, about HR, but it has really shown a positive light, right? HR used to just be seen as we're the compliance people. Yeah. We're going to come in. We're going to make sure you do your annual training. You're going to yeah. sign here. You're going to sign here. We're going to update the uh, employee handbook is needed, and, yeah. we'll, and we'll throw the corporate picnic once a year. Yeah, right. That was, that was <laughs> kind of what everyone thought HR was. And and it really has been a tough couple of years yeah. um, just with, you know, how do we lead people? Yeah. How do we motivate people? Um, you know, if we're sending people home and they're no longer in the office and they're working remote, how do we know they're being productive? Or yeah. how do we instill our culture remotely? And, and you know, it's, it's different by industry. Some mm-hmm. industries, they laugh. They said, well, you sent people home? We couldn't. We weren't. We aren't a business that functions that way, or right. we are a business that 50% could work from home, or or just office staff could work from home, but others had to be in present. And so, you know, it's it's been very interesting to see what challenges businesses have, mm-hmm. but it's been very clear every business has been challenged, and, yeah. and they've all kind of come back to our leadership skills aren't what we thought they were, yeah. our systems aren't what they we thought they were. And just our confidence in making sure we're taking care of our people isn't as good as, as we thought it was. And so that is a lot of what we talked about today. My, my presentation focused, um, we, we pulled content from uh, a book that our CEO wrote called Take Care of Your People. Mm-hmm. And in there, he outlines uh, nine core strategies, proven strategies for helping to run your business, mm-hmm. helping to maximize your people. Uh, streamline your processes and minimize your risk. And so I, you know, I pulled uh, those strategies out and that's what we talked about today. But then I also, um, in there, he has a bonus strategy, a 10th strategy, which is faith and optimism at work. And mm. so we talked about that as well. Yeah. You know, what does it mean to have that faith and optimism? And, and a lot of that might be more of a leadership trait. How are you leading? How are you envisioning your company? How are you inspiring your employees? Mm. But I think it also comes down to the employees. Do they believe in themselves and do they believe in their employees, right? Do your, do your internal leaders at, at all levels believe in their employees? And so yeah. that was, you know, a lot of what we talked about today. Well, I think leadership is a, is a big issue. We've been talking about a lot on the podcast and, of course, uh, some of our virtual conferences lately have been focusing on building leadership skills for administrators and for the nurse managers. And, and you pointed that out very well is that, you know, this it, it really brought to the forefront the importance of that of motivating people. We're no longer in the mode where we can just treat our employees as commodities. You know, we have to keep them you know happy. We have to keep them from leaving because... You know, there's so many other opportunities yeah. for them. And and one of the big um, trends that we're seeing now, too, is it's hard to find employees. Yeah. And that's nationwide. It doesn't right. matter. I mean, it's... it's and it's not just nurses Right. Now. It's agnostic yeah. to the industry. Right? Yeah. yeah. So those, that, those that have always been challenged by that are saying, yeah, welcome to our world. Yeah. Uh, but then even they're seeing an, an elevated, uh, you know, area of challenge. But, um, you know, a trend that we're seeing is that a lot of individuals or a lot of organizations have found that they will promote up because it's easier to hire in at lower levels. Um, and and that comes with a lot of being intentional. Yeah. You know, if you just promote people up because, well, you were here the longest, yeah. then you may be setting that employee up for failure. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I we I, I talked earlier today about the Peter principle, and it's and it's a business principle that says you will promote people to their level of incompetence, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, you're doing well at this role, I'm going to promote you. You're doing well at that role, I'll promote you. And as soon as you're just doing mediocre, yeah, I stop promoting you. Well, what happens then is you fill your organization with what many believe is just mediocre employees. Mm-hmm. You don't have mediocre employees. You have 
amazing employees that are mediocre at the role they're in. Yeah. And yeah. so what can you do as an organization to develop them, to upskill them, to prepare them for mm-hmm. that next role or get them in the role where they really feel that they can be successful and that you can get that full value and potential out of them. It's so funny you should bring that up. My, uh, uh 1.30, I'm doing a session on succession planning, which is exactly that whole conversation. Yes, yes. You know, how do you prepare? How do you and, – and your point is extremely important, right? The importance of, of, uh, of identifying people, moving them through your ranks, mentoring them, providing the resources, sending them to the appropriate training uh, so that the Peter Pin principle doesn't kick in. In other words, mm-hmm. don't assume that they're going to be able to learn that on their own, that, you yes. know, they're given those skills. Yeah. So you talk about the nine – yeah, the nine core strategies. So yep. let me, uh, you know, I'll, I'll go real quick and just say what the nine are, and, and then that way, you know, if there's one we, we could dive into. Sure. Um, so the first one was getting your culture right, and it's really focusing on, you know, what, who, who we are, mm-hmm. and, and, you know, we always, we, we warn people, you're going to have a culture. Mm-hmm. It's better to have one by design than right. by default. Yeah. And, and if you're not being purposeful and designing it, uh, it, it's going to just create one and you mm-hmm. will have, you know, there will never be a void of culture. There will be a culture. Yeah. Um, we, we always say, go back to those core values. Your culture needs to represent your values and, and your values need to really drive the organization mm-hmm. so that when tough times come, you can go back to those values and yeah. not just, as I called it earlier today, flavor of the month. Yeah. Hey, we've got a new this, let's try it. Hey, we've got a new that, let's yeah. try it. Um, comes down to strategic planning. By the way, mm-hmm. that's another thing I do a lot of speeches on is strategic planning. It's just so funny that we're, yeah. you know, that so much of what we have been talking about here really fits into the whole message about uh, about how we treat our personnel. Absolutely. And that was all of these strategies come from this, uh, our story. It's, yeah. it's the yeah. insperity story, and it's not the insperity sales pitch. Yeah, It's the insperity story. I'm, I'm a terrible insperity sales rep. I don't know our product well enough to be able to yeah. sell it. Um, but what I do know is the insperity story, and that is that at every, at every inflection point our business had, mm-hmm. we pulled back to our core and mm-hmm. said, how do we as insperity address this challenge? And yeah. then we would move forward. And if that meant adopting new processes and solutions and mm-hmm. services, we would do that. But if it meant scrapping and moving a completely different direction, we would do that. We would continue to reinvent ourselves. And that's where we, you know, that's where we identified these. And that's, that's the insperity way. We, right. we will continue to reinvent ourselves. And that's what we challenge, uh, you know, any business is don't get stagnant. Yeah. Look at how you can reinvent yourselves. Look at how you can get the most out of your people. Um, and of course, in an ASC, the quality improvement process is ideal for that type. I mean, there's actually a built-in and regulatorily required process that you can call upon to be able to do exactly what you're talking about. And I love that. And and that was some of the stuff that I I think really resonated from from my discussion earlier today was our CEO, Paul Sarvati, always says, I love bringing in new people to the organization Mm -hmm. because with every new hire, we have just improved and changed the trajectory and the potential of our organization. Yeah, yeah. And it's so true. The people that you bring into your business, you're going out there and you're working hard to find the brightest, the smartest, the hardest working, the most motivated. Yeah. They align with your culture. Don't just put them in a little box and only yeah. give them limited information or say, this is your job to do the only, yeah. right? So that, as you were just talking, that whether it's required, 
in the industry or not. It's it's just good business to yeah. get the most out of your people, to, to develop them and grow them because they are the potential of your organization. Right. It's only through the people that you have and how you treat them and how you grow them that you're really going to be able to take your organization to the next level and yeah. again and again. I just wish we could get this message across to our owners and the physicians that don't, because, you know, we're talking to the choir here, you know, right, the people that are listening right. to the podcast, right. uh, and, and of course, the people that were listening to yours, they totally understand it, yeah. but of course, getting that message across, but again, that's part of what you're trying to do here is, it, you know, it, give it, the the leaders in the organization that information they need in order to get, get yeah. the resources from them. Yeah, strategy two, I think we touched on it, was finding, hiring, and keeping the best. Yeah. Um, and so it's it's not just, I work really hard to find the best, I pay them a lot and they stay, it's why are they staying? Yeah. What makes them stay? Why are they leaving? What can we fix? How do we how do we really improve that entire em- employee journey? Yeah. And, and sometimes that journey may be it's not a good fit. It's right. time for you to move on. But hopefully... Or making sure that you don't hire people just to fill... Because they're yes. breathing and, and have a heartbeat. Yes. Um, yeah. Yes. And so, um, you know, I think I think that, that plays into a lot of what we talked about. And then strategy three, um, that focused on compensation, recognition, and rewards. Um, and that's really just, you know, what are we doing in our organization to reward people? What are we recognizing? Are yeah. they tied to our values? Uh, are they tied to our business objectives? Um, you know, we often kind of put them in separate buckets. Are you a good performer? Here's your raise for the year. Yeah. Um, are you a good performer? Here's a spot bonus or here's a, an award at the company meeting. Um, but are we aligning that program mm-hmm. with where we're wanting to take the organization? Are we aligning that program with who we are? Mm-hmm. So that an employee knows I'm just as able to be recognized for living out the values of our company than I am for being a top performer. Yeah. I, 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 uh, I said this earlier too, and I think it, it applies. Are you value-based? And the best way to know it is if your values are only posted on the wall, you're probably not value-based. Yeah. You need to be able to live those values in the hall, yeah. right? Not just post it on the wall, but live them in the hall. Are you actually encouraging your employees to live in a way, to behave in a way that it's drawing them together, it's building them up because you're you're rewarding it, you're recognizing them. Yeah. Um, number five was about employee performance improvement. I think yeah. we kind of already touched on that, right? Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's how you upskill them, it's how you manage that. Um, you know, you can't tell someone they're doing a good job or a bad job if you don't even have the basic fundamentals of HR in place. If you don't have job descriptions and handbooks, yeah. it's hard to tell someone they weren't doing their job. Right. But, and updated and, and current yes, and something that's yes. looked at it on a regular basis. Absolutely. But even a job description, I think there's risk there to say mm-hmm. we've got, we spent a whole year, we got all of our job descriptions, you know, outlined and written and saved and, and we're, our process, that process is in place. Well, that's the bare minimum. That's exactly right. That's yeah. the bare minimum. You want employees to go beyond that. Yeah. You want employees to give you an extra level of discretionary effort yeah. where they say, if you can if you can build trust and implement trust, then I'm going to take my job description to the next level. Mm-hmm. I'm going to do beyond what you've asked me. And and so I think it's you know it's critical when you think about employee improvement that sometimes it's the little things that get overlooked yeah. or taken advantage of. Well, I've got it in place, so that must be good enough. No, yeah. there might be more to that. There might be more to just having a job description. It's how do we then motivate them and inspire them and encourage them to go beyond just that description. Sure. Uh, number six is employee administration and technology. 
you know, this is just what tools do you have in place? How difficult is it for someone to enroll or update 401k or benefits or, uh, you know, I had a a mid-season change to my dependents or I moved. How do I update my address or my emergency contact information? And, And that used to be a differentiator. Yeah. There, there was a time when that kind of technology was, well, that company's got it going. Like yeah, they're, yeah. They're, they're, and now it's an expected. It's a yeah, hygiene. Yeah, it's, right. Wait, what do you mean you can't do that? Like, I, I have to sit on hold at a call center and yeah. try and update that information or find out what, you know, what doctors I can go to or what specialists. And so being mindful of those technologies, I think, is critical. I also like to take off the HR technology part on this and just say, what are your technologies in your mm-hmm. organization? Do you have broken technologies? Do you have broken processes where where your frontline is saying to the new hire, oh, we don't do it that way, we do it this way. Oh, yeah. it doesn't work like that. So we And you have all these workarounds. That's exposing you to risks and liabilities yeah, when true. you start to do manual stuff. And and one of the critical parts, and it's, it's even one of the strategies, is, is liability and compliance. Yeah. And if you've got broken systems, you've got old technologies, you're putting yourself at risk, and you're also disengaging mm-hmm. your employee because they're they're frustrated. What what do I have to use this tool day yeah. in and day out? I got all these manual processes. This isn't worth it. This is too yeah. much. And so, you know, being really mindful of is it time to spend a little bit of money internally and yeah. and, and and update some processes and some systems so that our people can get the most out of them. It's Especially since there's so many options available out there right mm-hmm. now to to it. Uh, and I know that full well because we keep switching them, uh, which, which, by the way, hint to everybody else, don't keep switching your systems. But but I think that's been the challenge over the last couple of years is there are a lot of different competitors out there. And as systems evolve, you know, you, hopefully you find the one that's going to evolve with you. But it doesn't always work that way. But, yeah, very good point. Um, strategy seven was human capital um, and mergers and acquisitions. And this one really focuses... Almost a message to the CEOs and mm-hmm. and and leaders of these organizations to say, if that's your growth strategy, mm-hmm. what are you doing to make sure that you're shored up mm-hmm. in your organization, but also the companies that are your targets that they're shored up? Mm-hmm. Because a lot of times we look at great sales results, we look at at at, at positive profit and loss statements and cash flows, and say numbers are all there. This is mm-hmm. great. And what we don't realize is we've got disgruntled employees. Yeah. We've got EEOC um, claims that, that haven't been dealt with correctly. And yeah. so we may be buying ourselves into a lot of headaches in the next year or mm-hmm. two. As well, is there a culture alignment? Yeah. Because you're about to take people that you really love, that, that love you, that are in your organization, that have dedicated you know years possibly to your company, and you're about to merge them with strangers. And yeah. and what's the promotion process at that point? Whose values win? Mm-hmm. Are you adopting yours and pushing them into the new organization? Or are you taking the new organizations and bringing them in? What is leadership structure? How do yeah. you decide who takes what role? And and so there is a lot of, I think, overlooked mm-hmm. opportunity on the HR side. When you're in this world, oftentimes it's, you know, let's look at the business case. Let's look at the numbers. Let's look at, you know, we're going to grow our, our regional geographic reach. We're going to grow our market share. We're going to grow. Maybe we're, we're purchasing into new services. We're expanding our offerings. And they miss what is that going to do to the people. And if, and if you are too disruptive to that process and don't have a good enough plan in place, you're going to miss out on all of those great numbers that mm-hmm. your business case stated. Well, and in the vernacular of an ASC, the average ASC, what, when we're talking about acquisitions, 
uh, often our ASCs, the people that are listening to the podcast, mm. they're being acquired by one of the bigger organizations. Yeah. And there's a real danger at that point of losing the people that you've had a long time, yeah. uh, let alone, you know, the, the, the bringing that corporate structure in there to, to oversee Absolutely. That. And that's yeah. what I saw today, you know, when I was presenting, when I when I kind of touched on that piece, there was yeah. a lot more heads that said, yeah. we, we, we you know, know, we're we nodding it. to the getting acquired <laughs> part versus the, you know, the being, acquiree, being, being acquirer. Acquir- yeah, the acquirer. Yeah. And so a- absolutely. Yeah. And, and I think that leads us to nicely into um, strategy eight was organization and leadership. Mm-hmm. We talked a little bit about this even before we turned the mics on today. Yeah. Your leadership really, really has a lasting impact on mm-hmm. the organization. And if you're not a leadership group that's getting together and being purposeful and mindful about where you're taking the organization, mm-hmm. right? Like we, we mentioned it. When you're looking at compensation, it's not just about paying the most, but it's what behaviors do we want to see our employees have mm-hmm. and how are we rewarding that? How are we building that into our compensation plans? Yeah. And, and so it really requires leaders to get away and work on the business, not yeah. just working in the business. And right. And, you know, again, different industries, this may look different, right? Mm-hmm. You may, you, it, it may be that in this area, your CEOs, more of the business side, they're on the business and not in it because it's not their specialty. And they yeah. leave, they leave the daily operations to those that, that have the specialties, the certifications, the trainings, the degrees. But I would then even challenge that level of leadership, mm-hmm. find a way of getting out and saying, how can I look at the business and, and fine tune some of these things that are being expected from us from a business perspective yeah. that are getting that kind of muddied and, and, and convoluted in the actual daily operations. Well, and that's a very important thing for our, again, our listeners. So many of our leaders in the surgery centers are being called in to actually cover for employees that you don't have right now, doing things that you used to have other employees doing. Yeah. And they get, you're so right, you get bogged down in that detail, that minutia. You got away from, you know, you were promoted out of that, yes. and now you're getting dragged into it, which means that you're losing that ability to look at the big picture and to, to think about future growth, which is it's eventually going to catch up with yeah. you. And we actually, that was a, that, a great point, and we saw that trend go both directions mm-hmm. when the pandemic. Came. Yeah, yeah. Um, because what we saw is a lot of those leaders that had been, as you put it, promoted out, yeah. realized we're facing things in our business we've never had to yeah. face before. And so a lot of them, if they were good, rolled up their sleeves and yeah. got back in the business and said, how do I get back to the tactical? Right. How do I look at what our business needs? How do I look at what our employees need? How do I look at what our customers need and make those changes and adjustments? And the mm-hmm. organizations that made those changes and adjustments are still here and they're strong. Correct. Those so. that didn't. They struggle or they right. fail. Or they're continuing to struggle right now yes. and, and are yes. on the verge. And yeah. the other thing that I'll, I'll add is then we saw the other trend. And that is as organizations were coming out of all of the, the strict impact or significant impact of um, the pandemic, you had leaders that were forgetting how to get back into the strategic yeah. part. Yeah, and they were still stuck in the tactical. Yeah. And so I think right now you're seeing a lot of businesses that – you, their horizon isn't as far as it used to be yeah. because they're really just looking at the tactical piece. Yeah. And there's great opportunity moving forward for them to kind of roll their sleeves down a little bit yeah. and say, okay, I'm going to empower again right. the people that I had empowered before, yeah. that middle level leadership to say, 
I'm, I don't need to run it anymore. Right. I'm going to go back and look at the five-year horizon or the three-year horizon, and you're going to come back into that role. Yeah. But until you get headcount, which is a, a real challenge, you may still have kind of that that middle level of leadership that's kind of doing dual, where yeah. one day they're rolling up their sleeves and, and diving into it, and the other day they're they're back to kind of leading and, and nurturing and growing their people and, and their divisions. Yeah. Um, I, I think we're to the last one. Well, the strategy nine, and then we've got a bonus one. Um, strategy nine is employee communications. And mm-hmm. this one really, um, it's it's all encompassing. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I talked about it earlier today. We, we hire great people, mm-hmm. you know, a, a lot of times we say our people are our greatest, our greatest competitive advantage. Well, I don't. I wouldn't go that far because I think your competitors are probably also hiring yeah, right. great people, right? <laughs> probably from you, yeah, right? In, in today's market, absolutely, yeah, right. Um, but what are we doing after we hire them? Mm-hmm. And when we leave employees in the dark, when we leave employees where they're not able to really engage and put in their all, we're missing out, as I mentioned earlier, on that full potential. Yeah. Um, you know, where where we can get the most out of them and our organization can get the most out of them. Mm-hmm. An organization can get the most out of itself. And so, you know, when it comes to in you know, employee communication, it's how are we communicating? Mm-hmm. How often are we communicating? And what are we communicating? Yeah. Are we only focused on business results or are we only focused on calling out the problems and saying this needs to fix, yeah. this needs to fix? Or are we saying, you know, here's our values, here's opportunities for growth. Here's an opportunity that we want to give a shout out that's that Susie did a great job or Tom did a great job and they really um, you know lived out our value and and highlighted this and we want to call that out and recognize them. What are we communicating is is just as critical as to how and when. Yeah. Um, and and I think a lot of organizations this was a, a big struggle uh, in the early years of the pandemic. If, if we're far enough along to say early years. Yeah, um, yeah. But when it really kicked off and we started having to communicate different and work different, um, you know, what we communicated was different, how we communicated was different. And I think it's just a good opportunity to kind of step back and say, what is the message? Mm-hmm. How are we getting it out there? How often are we getting it out there? And, and then listening. Yeah, and I think that's also another piece of communication. We often just think it's it's top down. Yeah, very and well said. We can learn so much, and I'm and I'm sure, like you said, we're preaching to the choir. I'm sure the choir's like, I couldn't sing any louder. Like, <laughs> somebody hear my praises. Well, but but for our leaders too, making sure that um, those conversations that you have are conversations. Mm-hmm. You know, staff meetings should not be me telling my staff yes. everything. You know, it should be uh, providing time because you can do that. In an email, you can do yes. that in other ways. Yes. You know, save that that FaceTime for that opportunity for a dialogue to occur. And what great opportunity to to get <laughs> the insights that you don't have access yeah. to. Yeah. When you're, you know, when you're in the ivory tower and you're you're a, a C-suite of a few that are so far removed from the customer, you miss out on yeah. so many opportunities. And and that plays the whole way down. Right. Yeah. There will yeah. always be. There will always be more frontline employees than there are than there are managers, middle managers. There'll always be more middle managers than there are executives, more executives than than all the way up, right? There will always be that ratio. Mm-hmm. And we miss out on the learning that can happen, like you said, in those conversations where you can say, Hey, I have some thoughts, but I want to bring up a challenge that we're seeing and just yeah. see what you guys think about it. Well, and and listening and letting and letting your people know that you're willing to listen. That doesn't mean you have to do it, mm-hmm. but you may be able to fine tune your plan based on the feedback you were able to gather from your people. Mm-hmm. 
So you got a bonus. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I've got a bonus. There you go. So, uh, so in in the in the book, take care of your people. Uh, there's a tenth strategy, and it's it's faith at work, um, faith and optimism, and and really, I'll touch on just the three bullet points that I think accentuate it, and it's. It's an entrepreneurial faith, mm-hmm. and it's an entrepreneurial faith that, as is described, it's a rush of unexplainable optimism about the future that's motivated by more than just a personal desire for wealth. And, mm-hmm. and that's and that's a lot of words, but if you kind of slow that down and think about it, it's optimism and excitement to do something more than just make money. Mm-hmm. And and uh, you know we we are a, a you know a mission driven organization. We help businesses succeed so communities yeah. prosper. It's large. It can mean so many different things. But I think when you unite people behind a greater purpose, mm-hmm. um, you're gonna get you're gonna get through the harder times easier, and you're gonna get more out of them in in the good times. Well, and it's such important in in a healthcare organization. That's exactly what we do. I mean, it, it's a natural for us. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it goes on then to say too. There's something else that electrifies the dream and churns inside the dreamer. The tantalizing prospect of creating something from nothing in route to building an enterprise. I love it. And, it, you know, again, I think that's even just a fraction of the way mm-hmm. we could capture, like you said, when you are intrinsically motivated, when there is a passion and a love for what you do, mm-hmm. you'll give it your all. Mm-hmm. But that can quickly be killed. And so, you know, yeah. you have to be mindful. It goes back to the leadership. It goes back to how you're maximizing your people, how you're minimizing risks, how you're streamlining. They are so interrelated yeah. that one one can relieve the other and, and, and impact or emphasize another. And so when you're really thinking about those three areas and how they interplay together, you you have a great opportunity to increase and build that hope. Mm-hmm. And, and that's really what this is saying is, how are you playing into that? Yeah. How are you being mindful of that? How are you being purposeful? Um, you know, are you nurturing hope and gaining confidence in your product, in your mm-hmm. people, in yeah. your organization? Um, you know, do you have a resolve and a determination to push through distractions and limitations? And, mm-hmm. and businesses, I think, over the last couple of years really found a lot of distractions. And mm-hmm. those that had that resolve, had that entrepreneurial spirit and faith, I think they moved through. Mm-hmm. Um, not necessarily unscathed, but, but they, they could take their strikes, they could take their beatings, and they could rise up above it. And, yeah. And they're stronger and better for it. We the last thing I'll, I'll say, and, and then I'll I'll, I'll, I'll take a breath. Um, <laughs> I know we're running out of time here, oh, so yeah. unfortunately. But yeah, no, yeah. Um, you know, is is you know, we just talk about you should be ready for the next pandemic, whatever yeah, it is. That well right. Said. If you yeah. didn't learn from this, then you you didn't do your yeah. job. Yeah. Um, you know, we should be ready for how we communicate, how we motivate, how we inspire, mm-hmm. how we stop and listen to people. Um, how we, you know, how we work to, uh, you know, encourage them and build on them, and and if and if we aren't able to do that, mm-hmm. um, then then we missed a great opportunity. That, that's a silver lining in in what's been a lot of challenging uh, times over the last couple of years. So in our last couple minutes here, yes. can you quickly uh, just uh, talk about the advantages of using a PEO? You know, um, and 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 you'll see quickly. I'm not a sales a salesperson <laughs> at this point, but um, you know, I really think that if you have a dedicated HR staff, um, they would probably tell you a lot of their time is wasted on doing just the trivial, yeah. doing the tactical, um, making sure that that payrolls are run or or time offs are processed or timesheets are processed, and it's and it's really administrative. 
you are missing out on on the opportunity to really build a comprehensive human capital strategy. Mm-hmm. Now, in you know, our organization, we focus on that. That's one of the things we, we help with is that. <laughs> but I think even if you've got dedicated HR people, they probably have those skills. And we can take a lot of the mundane, the processes, and streamline those and give you access to better benefits, better systems, yeah. um, you know, better tools. And, and particularly, I'll, I'll give a, a disclaimer to why ours over someone else. We really were built on a service model. Mm-hmm. So where, you know, where others will tout an advantage of streamlined systems and processes and technologies, well, what happens when the technology goes down? What happens yeah. when the system breaks? Um, you know, you're really left. So what ha- happens struggling. when you have a turnover? Yes. Yeah. I yes. mean, especially during the pandemic, we lost a lot of. I mean, in our own company, we've gone through three human resources people yes. in the last ninety. Uh, I'm sorry, in the last nine months. Yeah. So I mean, you, that's yeah. that's what probably one of the biggest advantages that, that you would have. Is you wouldn't we, have that. There problem. is someone at the other end of the phone, based yep. on whatever challenge you need, or just our general liaison, yep. right? That's going to say. I'm going to help you. I'm going to help you when you're struggling to hire. I'm going to help you when you're struggling to grow and train. Yeah. I'm going to help you when you're struggling to let someone go. Yeah. I'm going to be there to help minimize your risks, to help maximize your people and help yeah. streamline your processes. And and I think when you turn a lot of your, your non-core business activities over to someone who specializes in it, mm-hmm. it frees up your resources and your abilities to focus really on the core of what your business does. Yeah. And that's, that's what we do. We help companies... You know, run better, grow faster, make more money by helping to to really allow them to leverage their core strengths. And I think that's where we're going to have to end it. Awesome, it's been great. I, I so much enjoyed this, and I think our listeners are uh, got a lot out of it. So Thank thanks for you your know, time. I appreciate this opportunity, and it's great getting to to meet with you and work with you. Absolutely. In this segment, we provide an update on upcoming topics for the podcast, our upcoming virtual conferences, and upcoming speaking engagements for John and his staff and other events in the ASC industry. So we talked about in the beginning section here, the August 2022 Administrative Boot Camp starts on August 30th, four days virtually uh, with mentoring. And then the week after that, Sue, I'm heading down to uh, the Hyatt Regency in Indian Wells Resort, where I hear it's like 120 degrees. (laughs) Uh, During the day, I can't wait for that. For the California Conference, right? For the California Ambulatory Surgery Association Conference uh, and exhibits, uh, September 7th through the 9th. And as I said, it's at the Hyatt Regency Indian Wells Resort and Spa in Indian Wells, California. And I'll be doing a finance boot camp on the first day of the conference. And September 15th and 16th is the ASC Finance Accounting and Reimbursement Seminar, which is virtual with Christina Benton of Coding Compliance Management. And please don't forget about all of our recorded events, and they're all available at ASCPodcast.com, which includes our credentialing conference, the Fall 2021 Finance and Accounting Conference, a great Conditions for Coverage Conference, if you really want to learn everything about Conditions for Coverage. And Sue, we're going to have to do that one again soon because, of course, the changes in the Conditions mm-hmm. for Coverage and the Interpretive Guidelines. Uh, the Medical Director Conference that we record in 2021, we're uh, working on a 2022 Medical Director Conference, and that hopefully will be announced shortly. Uh, and then we do have self-paced versions of both our administrator boot camp and our director of nursing boot camp if you just don't have the time to uh, be able to dedicate four days to the boot camp. 
And we do always uh, want to remind everyone to consider becoming a patron member of the podcast that helps to support this podcast and gives you great benefits like being able to log in on Saturday mornings and talk to us. And membership helps to defray the cost of producing the podcast, including research, staff, travel costs, conferences, equipment costs, and production costs. For more information, visit ASCpodcast.com. That's it for this episode of the ASC Podcast with John Galey. And please spread the word about our podcast with your friends and colleagues and do us the honor of hitting the subscribe button. And also, we have set up a ASC Podcast with John Galey LinkedIn account. Uh, so uh, look us up there as uh, we have a group now for uh, the ASC Podcast with John Galey. Just uh, ask to become a member. We're accepting anybody that uh, is interested. And that's a good way of uh, keeping in touch with, with other people that have uh, similar interests to you. The sound editor for this episode is Susan Cronkite. Executive producer is John Gailey. Research assistance is provided by Susan Cronkite, Jenna Alvarez, Judy D'Ambrosio, Alex Borneman, Zach Calritis, Amy Durbano, Lori Rodrickson, and Geyer. Music is provided by Media Sushi and Mike Noah. And the ASC podcast with John Gailey is hosted on Podbean and is available on all major podcast channels. This episode of the ASC podcast with John Gailey is sponsored by Surgical Information Systems, Trivalence, and Ambulatory Healthcare Strategies. Surgical Information Systems provides cutting-edge information solutions for surgery providers. Trivalence offers a comprehensive next-generation ASC solution that optimizes payment and supply chain performance, enabling actionable insights. Ambulatory Healthcare Strategies is the nation's leading regulatory and accreditation compliance resource for ambulatory surgery centers. For more information about our sponsors, visit our website at ASCpodcast.com. This podcast is an educational and operational tool and is not intended to be a comprehensive resource for all rules, regulations, and standards that an ambulatory surgery center must meet. The advice provided should not be considered as, nor does it constitute, legal advice or opinion. When reviewing specific situations involving legal and regulatory issues, attorneys and other professionals should be consulted. This has been a production of Eden Group Development. All rights are reserved. If you are interested in advertising or sponsoring the ASC Podcast with John Gailey, please email us at info at ASCpodcast.com. We would love to hear your questions and comments. Please email us at comments at ASCpodcast.com.